What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. I'm Mike Posbon, and with me this time is Jordan Belinsky. It's on. And Aaron Blauchuk. <laughs> for those that don't know, VGM stands for Video Game Music, and we are taking you through the generations. Basically, once a week, three friends with varied gaming backgrounds get together and take you through some of their favorite music from the games they love. And remember to stick around to the end of the episode for contest details, just like Andy Davies, a.k.a. Flashy Andy on Twitter <laughs> Ooh, uh, shiny. <laughs> did last month. So he's our big winner and we will be reaching out to him over Twitter to see which game he would like for free. The flashiest, the flashiest game, of mm-hmm. course, of, of course. Uh, but in this month's episode, we Hope are talking black Knight 2000. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all money. We are talking about the SNES classic or the SNES classic, depending on when you were born, apparently, or the super NES <laughs> <laughs> or the super NES super NES <laughs> or the <Super> fight <laughs> <laughs> or and or the uh, Super Famicom Classic Mini, which is actually its full title, which I think is dumb. They should have <laughs> just kept the mini moniker. Nintendo's great at just like adding words, adding on the words things to and, like, titles, making yeah. it longer. It's yeah. like super, super new super Nintendo E A D R and D one became S A E or whatever. Yeah, you got Capcom's help on the extra titles. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it is my turn to go first, as this is the first episode. And what could I pick? What song would I pick other than Super Mario Kart? <gasps> what game would I what pick? I should say. So yeah, you Super- Mario Kart Eight. Even though it's not <laughs> about, right. uh- <laughs> I picked the SNES fan remake of Mario Kart Eight, <laughs> which yeah. used all the same music. No, uh, Super Mario Kart. Going going back to the very beginning of Mario Kart uh, and the track. Um, I picked what which I think is everybody's favorite from that game is probably Rainbow Road. I saw some votes for Bowser's Castle just because it's so metal. But Rainbow Road seems to be the fan favorite for sure. It has that really wicked beat in uh, Bowser's Castle. Yes, yeah, it's very a very bassy beat for sure. Yeah. So this was obviously developed by Nintendo, uh, EAD or Entertainment Analysis and Development, and uh, published by Nintendo in 1992. And the music is by Soyo Oka. Um, So Soyo started her career at Nintendo and worked with Koji Kondo on the music for Pilot Wings. Uh, She also composed for Ice Hockey. Uh, Famicom Grand Prix 2 3D Hot Rally. Free. Sorry. <laughs> I always say Prix, but it's pre. Yeah. I, it's just the way it's spelled. You can uh, say Prix all you want. <laughs> 3D Hot. Have you guys ever heard of that game, by the way? Which one? Uh, the Famicom Grand Prix 2. <laughs> no. No. So that was, it's, um, it was for the disc system, the add-on for the Super Famicom. Uh, or the, oh shoot, was it? I think it might have just been the Famicom. But, um, did the Famicom have a disc? Famicom disc yeah. system? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right, right? Yeah. yeah, okay, so it was for that. And it's like a, uh, it's one of those um, kind of like road rash where you're just driving down the road and it's kind of that behind the car, but it featured Mario and Luigi and it's like- <laughs> I hope it was like road rash and you get to beat the hell out of well, each other. Well, no, it's more of just a driving game, but yeah. they're in like a, they're in like- rally of this is before Mario Kart. So they're like in like race outfits and there's like art of them, like carrying tires and like being all <laughs> greasy and tired and stuff like that. They probably have costumes for that in Odyssey. Maybe. Yeah. And yeah, probably. And it's the, uh, it's the first time that Luigi was drawn taller and thinner than Mario oh, on the, hmm. on the box That's art, cool. which I thought was pretty cool. So, so. it's Canon, this rally game. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's actually Canon. <laughs> so on a quick related tangent, have you guys heard of <laughs> a related tangent? I love that. It's super related. Have yeah. you, so we've talked about the, uh, the Satella view before. Have you guys heard of the BS excite bike? Yes, you have. Okay. Have you Mike? No. Because that was the Super Nintendo's version of Excite Bike. Okay. That didn't get an official release out here. 
and it featured the entire cast of Mario. So it was like Mario Kart on bikes. Oh, what? In an Excite Bike oh, game. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. I want to play that. That sounds <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I saw screenshots of it somewhere not that long ago. I was, res- I was researching the Satellaview okay. for some for something else, and I came across <laughs> not it. Not for the like, podcast. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah. might have been for the podcast. No, it's for my secret underground podcast yeah, that's that you right. don't know about. <laughs> Blast. I have a competing um, podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's why I can't get more listeners. Um, and then she also did a bunch of the arrangements of the original uh Mario Trilogy, Mario Trilogy for Super Mario All Star. So when it came to the SNES, she did the, some of the arrangements. Um, so Super Mario Kart, uh, the game itself, actually started out as an attempt to make a two-player F Zero, uh, but the SNES couldn't handle the really long uh, tracks with long straightaways and the high speed um, when you had two players on screen. So uh, what they decided to do was like they said like, okay, well we can deal with this if we make the tracks shorter, smaller, and more twisty Then you know, we can handle two players on screen. So that's exactly what they did. Um, they, uh, the game was actually made in only in about a year with only eight people on the team, which absolutely blew my mind. I was like, that's crazy that they came up with this whole thing. Um, the characters started out just as, um, guys in like coveralls with different colored helmets. And then they were like, so Mies essentially, essentially. Yeah. What the Mies became in Mario Kart eight, but, um, which is probably why they did that. But then they said like, it's, we want the characters to look distinct from behind. So, or actually an overall, the the silhouette is very important. Yeah. Yeah. So that you know who you are. Right. And so they were like, okay, well let's pick all these characters. Uh, and, um, the one interesting one was they, uh, they were asked, why didn't they use D why did they use DK junior instead of just DK? And, I guess it was Miyamoto. It was the 10th anniversary of DK Jr. So he was like, you should do that. And then they were like, but we probably just did it because he wears a shirt. And then so it made it easier. <laughs> well, when did, when did Mario Kart You didn't have out? to render any nipples. 92. So yeah. DK okay. Jr. was 82, I guess. Yeah. But. Well, and they also didn't have the Donkey Kong we know today from Donkey Kong Country. He wasn't right. invented yet. Yeah, that's so. right. It was like you're weighing out the two options between Donkey Kong Jr. and the original Donkey Kong, and it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Junior's more interesting. So they went with the Junior. He, he didn't have a tie yet, I guess. No. no. <laughs> that came in 94. Yeah. Once, once he got the tie, then he was... Then he was added. Yeah. yeah. Then he could be put in in uh, Mario Kart 64. Um, so, and then they actually, so when they had just the guys in, in uh, overalls, uh, the only like weapon they had were oil cans. So they would throw oil cans onto the track and then obviously make it slippery. And then once they added in all the characters, they were like, Oh, if we have DK junior, the oil can should become banana peels. And then from there it became, okay, well let's add it in shells and the feather and all that's crazy. stuff. And the lightning bolt, the lightning bolt, they were like, this is the equalizer. This is the one where it's like, it totally messes up the whole structure. Um, you know what the best part of super Mario Kart is, mm. is the remade tracks in eight. Yes. Yeah, they are very good. Like, they're, they're excellent. Yeah, the remakes and the remake of Rainbow Road is in there too. Yeah. And the and the the like reorchestrated cover of the yeah. of the track yeah. is awesome. And I, as I well. love that one because you know, even though they had this like small, tiny, winding two dimensional yeah, track to work with, say. and it's all like wavy and yeah, when, yeah. The the thwomps, when the thwomps drop, it like creates waves yeah. which you can boost off of. I always felt like Rainbow Road was the uh the separator between, you know, the men and the children. Because <laughs> it's always it been in every uh in every Mario yeah. Kart. Yeah. It's it's well yeah, you, yeah and you, and I think you got that sense on the Super Nintendo just because it was the only track that didn't have railings. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, 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 to yeah, be yeah. hardcore to well, didn't 
wasn't the ghost uh ghost house the, had railings and parts there were in parts yeah, but yeah, there's yeah, parts yeah. of it that were open that, and you could fall into the water and yeah. plus in the ghost valley when you hit the uh the walls the barricades disappear so. yes that's right so you get one try one essentially try, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's around around the corner where all the pieces are missing and everybody flies off the side so. yeah exactly so uh the one other thing uh, about the development that i read that i really liked was um they the devs asked like the 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 two leads of the game asked Miyamoto if they could go to a racetrack, like a little cart go-kart track to try out go-kart racing so that they could get a feel for like the physics and what it should feel like. And especially the drifting, they were really into the drifting because they know they want, they knew they wanted it in there, but they wanted, they wanted it to feel sort of right. Well, Did damn, they, our local go-kart place doesn't allow drifting. Well, exactly. It kills me. <laughs> Did Nintendo bring a box of props to throw around on the track. <laughs> that's too? right. That's right. <laughs> and, but like, it was funny because they talk about Miyamoto and he, him being like, that's dumb. Why can't they just figure it out by trying? And then it also being like, this is too expensive. And like, and then he talks about it in interviews and he's like, it was the big expense for this game was going to the go-kart track. <laughs> and then they were like, and then when we went, the go-karts were kind of underpowered, so we couldn't drift them anyway. Yeah. So it was kind of just a write-off. Uh, so yeah, but I, I have another story too, but I'll save that for after the track. So the only uh, other thing I want to say before we listen to the song is that this was uh, the composer's favorite composition from the game. So let's listen to Rainbow Road from Super Mario Kart. got into a little bit of ROM hacking and, and game reproduction uh, back like late high school, early 2000s time. One of the first games I dabbled in was Mario Kart and there was a really cool track editor. And okay. this was like a track editor for, for, the, Super, for Mario Super Mario Kart. Okay. Yeah, the one we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm sure people could make stuff that like the SNES couldn't even run, but yeah. Oh yeah. And that, that was it. The first, <laughs> the first track I made was a battle mode course with rainbow road tiles. Okay. So the entire track set was, um, it was like two sections 
that were um, split apart by a giant hole. So if you wanted to get to the other side, if your opponent was on the other side, there were um, everybody's everybody's favorite favorite in uh, Mario Kart was the uh, the speeders with the jump at the end. Yeah. So that was the way to get across the yeah. gap. Well, it's funny because that um, you've almost described. I can't remember which Mario Kart it was. Maybe Mario Kart Wii. There's a battle arena that's very much like that. It's just like a big open area yeah. with a hole in the and middle, you have to and then across. and then like and yeah. so most of that ramp is like people like flying through the air over this yeah. big hole yeah. in the middle, right? Air, air battle it's, and it's, all it, that. Yeah, and it's it's ramps and jumps <laughs> like yeah. over a central hole. So it's funny that Nintendo themselves totally they ripped you off. Coffeeed me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They saw your they saw your course somehow, <laughs> and then it, many many years later they were like, we got to do, do that. Yeah, now we finally have the power yeah. on the Wii on the Wii. Um, so the other thing, uh, the one other development story I want to talk about. So after they went there and they did the, uh, cart racing and figured out the carts weren't really powerful enough to drift, they were like, all right, well, how else can we kind of get a sense of this in the real world? And, uh, one of the devs was, I guess he was really into like uh, remote control RC cars. And so they built like a really awesome RC car with like one of those that's actually a has a gas powered motor and a little gas powered engine. So it's like super fast and crazy loud because they're all like two strokes. So you can hear them for like blocks and um, they took it out and they built it and they tested it and they and like, you know, tweaked it for like a month or something and got it working. And uh, they tried it out and then they handed it to one of the like uh, they handed it to one of the developers and he just immediately crashed it in the wall. <laughs> he just, straight into oh, the wall wow. and it was done. <laughs> I love like, how oh, they that. couldn't send the team to go-karts, but they had the time and expense money to well, build. Well, because they did it on their own time, right? With their own money. <laughs> yeah. So, but he just immediately crashed it in the wall. So that was totally not worth it. Yeah. So I thought that was really funny. So one other thing about this track is that it is a, uh, it is an excellent example of a, uh, I'm putting on my uh, musical theory hat here for a second, which is it, it's tattered and doesn't look very good because I'm not very good at musical theory, but, um, <laughs> It's uh, an uh, excellent example of something called musical dissonance. So do you know? Yes, I know. You know exactly dissonance. what I'm talking about here. So uh, consonants, musical consonants is something that basically, to put it very simply, is something that sounds nice. It sounds correct. It's harmonious. Major chords. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Major chords and things like that are all very, ex a good example of consonants. So consonant intervals are described as pleasant and agreeable. And then dissonant intervals are described as those that cause tension and desire to be resolved by consonant intervals. So you'll hear like a weird chord and then they follow it up with a really nice pleasant chord. So it like soothes you. Keeps, so <laughs> keeps you on edge though. Keeps you on edge. So, but if you listen to this track especially, uh, you hear a lot of dissonance in behind and then you will hear a little bit of consonants and then more dissonance. And so I saw in the comments, a lot of people on YouTube and stuff were saying, this is one of the only uh, tracks that makes musical dissonance sound good. So <laughs> I just thought I'd throw well, a little musical funny, theory in there. I actually listened to your track uh, beforehand. I, yep. I, I popped into the folder and checked it out. And the thing is, I, I'm not really familiar Breaking with this surprises. version. I'm not really familiar with uh, <laughs> the original Mario Kart very yeah. much. And I don't really like dissonance in music myself very much. And I listened to the track and I have no nostalgia for him. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I, it's cool. And it's one of those things like if you also have the experience of the track, because you've got this like this really tough track and this song that sort of keeps you on edge. It's like yeah. the perfect combination for sure. For sure. The first time I ever played Mario Kart, uh, it was a family friend. He brought it over to show me. Okay. And he was he was much older. Uh, and he said, 
I'm going to leave this game with you and I'm going to come back. <laughs> Get in, good. I'm going to come back in three months and collect the game. Okay. And we're going to face off. So he's like, he's <laughs> so like, it was good. good. Yeah. yeah. And That's so awesome. that was my introduction to the original Mario Kart. That's fantastic. I and love that. Actually, I will say this, despite my lack of experience with it, Super Mario Kart was the first Super Nintendo game I ever played. Oh, was it? It was. And well, was it, and it was on a, your own or was it at a friend's? It was at a friend's house. Actually, we had this these family friends because you mentioned family friends who were like yeah. in this resort town and we were went to their little like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we so we were in Waterton and their little, their little house, their little like timeshare there yeah. and they had a Super Nintendo and they had Mario Kart. And I think that was the only game they had. So I, that was the first time I'd ever played Super Nintendo. Yeah. And I sucked at it. I didn't have three months to... Uh, to practice, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the greatness of Mario Kart. It's the reason I love it so much. It's the reason it's like one of my favorite games of all time. And I and I love certain versions more than others, but I love all of them because they're great party games. It's the one of the best games in the world to have your friends come over. It's simple: gas, brake, turn, and throw crazy stuff at your friends. I, <laughs> I think love it has it. one of the best battle modes ever. I think the N64 is better, but the Super Nintendo was amazing. It was also very good. This also means one of us has to buy a Switch and 8 Deluxe so we can finally try out a real battle mode in 8. On 8, yeah. Actually, on that note, on a tangent, I played 8 a little more extensively the other... Uh, about a month ago, there was actually a restaurant that had a competition and it was like, come and like whoever wins gets like a coupon. I actually ended up losing, which I'm very <laughs> sad about. Wow. But it's because they tweaked the controls from switch to, uh, from Wii U to switch. Oh. You do not get punished as much for drifting like wildly anymore. Huh. It used to be that on on the Wii U, if you drift hard and you hit the wall, it really slows you down. Like you need to be very precise with your drifts. In the Switch version, they mellowed it out. It felt totally really? different because yeah, because I was like, all right, I'm going to spend like an hour playing here to get myself like back into it. And so I played at home for an hour and then we went and played it at the restaurant on the switch and it felt totally different. And I was like, what's going on you would here? Have been like, better not practicing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I probably would have been better off not practicing. So hmm. it's a little weird. I don't, I don't like it. No, I, I, I liked like the Wii U now feels like, like it. hard mode. <laughs> it does. It, it, it feels like more competitive because it's and not, you don't think it's just a control thing, the difference in controls or something like no, that. No, like I think the, it, I think it's, it's like you can the game feel itself, the yeah. game, like the switch is slow you down when you're about to hit a wall. Like it like forgives you. Hmm. As you go into these slides, I don't it's, need to be forgiven. I Mario don't want any forgiveness. <laughs> the switch is GC ism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, GC ism. Yep. <laughs> What's that? From uh, Capcom versus SNK2 on the GameCube, they came up with GC ism. Okay. And it was easy mode. It was like one, it was like the C, oh, the one the hit C stick combo. and smash. Yeah. Yeah. But in a Street Fighter game. So it's okay. still, that's, we still use that as a joke amongst the, the people in the Nintendo team because yeah. we actually demoed that game. Yeah. On the, on the GameCube. Well, that's so, why I mentioned it because I know yeah, we've, we've talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> oh, have before. we? Yeah. So yeah. GC ism. Yeah. GC ism. That's, right. that's the default for anything that's like stupidly dumbed Stupid down. Stupid easy. Yeah. 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 All right, Jordan, what do you got for us this uh, week? Donkey Kong Country. And he's wearing, I know there's no video component to this podcast, no, but he is wearing his DK shirt. DK. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey Kong. Um, <laughs> oh, you're doing the DK rap? Nope. I love that track. <laughs> you've, you've played that. If you want to hear us sing that, you can listen to another episode. Uh, developed by Rareware in 1994 and uh, composer David Wise, which I think most people know. This was the game that made Donkey Kong relevant again. And I mean, he, everybody knew who Donkey Kong was at this point, but this was the game that uh, shot him into superstardom of on the, in the Nintendo universe. Uh, took him from sort of an arcade type character to the platformer, platforming icon that he is today. Um, and I met, we, we talked about DK Jr. 
a yep. little earlier from Mario Kart. Well, before be, uh, before the the classic Donkey Kong we know now, that was kind of his iconic look. Like there's the Donkey Kong in the arcade, yep. which if At you the don't top know, of the tower. in the in the DK universe that evolved into Cranky Kong. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that theory. And DK Jr. evolved into the Donkey Kong, the, the, the regular know, Donkey Kong we know. As a kid, I actually re- was really against that theory. I, I didn't like that. I thought like... Has it ever been confirmed? It has. By? Nintendo. It, well, like where? So It's I've, one of those retcon things though, I think, where it it's like be. it became a fan theory and Nintendo was like, okay. all right, we'll get behind that. <laughs> well... I mean, I heard it directly in a Nintendo mm-hmm. documentary in the making of Donkey Kong. So mm-hmm. when they were oh, developing okay. this game, they called Cranky Kong the original Donkey Kong. Okay. And I've heard that in mm-hmm. several other places. And isn't there something in like the beginning of the game where he says something or? Well, there's lots of references. Like Cranky yeah. Kong, every time you go visit Cranky Kong, yeah. he kind of, um, he's he's got like this this cranky old old man kind of like Five, every time yeah. he talks to you, he's kind of slamming you and he's saying <laughs> all these like, Kind of mean things. Uh, he says a lot of stuff like, you know, um, back in my day, and then he'll reference the original Donkey Kong. Yeah, I so thought there was a couple lines yeah, that like yeah. directly referenced it. Yeah. Does, does that mean one day Diddy will grow up to be the new Donkey and uh, Donkey will be the next Cranky? Well, uh, who will Cranky become? <laughs> Ghost, <laughs> ghostly Kong. See, so the <laughs> no, one he has to be there somewhere. <laughs> the one thing that may have been retconned was the relationship between <laughs> between Cranky. I don't know if it was ever specifically said if he's related, if he's like the grandfather or the father. Oh, okay. I, don't, I, I just don't, assumed he was, but yeah. yeah, that I don't know. Just because he's got the, like a grandpa appearance, but yeah, he's Kong not, is not their last name. Well, I don't know. And, is it Mario, Mario, and Mario <laughs> yeah. Luigi? Yeah. I hope Luigi they're Mario. not all related because Donkey and and his girlfriend Candy Kong have the same last name. <laughs> <laughs> That's Maybe a good point. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. So back on topic here. Uh, <laughs> let me go through some of my notes. So yeah, um, the, it had that revolutionary art style, which everybody knows. It was that 3D pre-rendered graphics that was new for the time. Um, and uh, it, it, for those that don't know, it's they literally made 3D computer graphic models and uh, took 2D screenshots of everything and use those as the sprites. Yeah. And 3D technology has never gotten better. It hasn't, no. Oh. And what is it? What, what was that style called? Pre rendered graphics. Is that, I thought they had another name, but okay. Because no, they made sprites out yeah. of 3D models. Out of 3D yeah. models, yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another cool thing that came from the uh, development of Donkey Kong was uh, when Nintendo started developing it, they were working with Rare. Obviously, Rare was the developer. Um, and a lot of there was a lot of back and forth between um, their U.S. office for localization and Rare in the U.K. And then, of course, Shigeru Miyamoto in Japan. So there was a whole lot of like going between all these different countries. A lot of phone calls. <laughs> Um, and Nintendo in the US, they wanted to kind of keep it hush hush because of what they were doing with the Donkey Kong property. So they came up with a code name for the game as they do with all their stuff. They like the NX, right? That, yeah, that's Dolphin. the most recent one that people remember. Yeah. Um, Donkey Kong was going by the code name Treehouse. And that oh. is the location of Donkey Kong's home in the game. I wonder if that. And that's where the Nintendo Treehouse name came from because, say, yeah. because they actually right, quarantined yeah. off a section of the building. I talked about that in another it, podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah they, they, they called that section of the building, the tree treehouse. Yeah, yeah. Cause they were, they got upset that like the business guys kept peeking over their shoulders. <laughs> yeah. And so they like, they were like, all right, we're closing this section of the office. And like, this is just for devs. And yeah, and that all and started became the treehouse. I and love that, that. Can we do that here? I do that. <laughs> Aaron that, always wants that at work. <laughs> and that's all because of Donkey Kong and the, the fact that they wanted to keep it, you know, as close to the chest as possible to keep the integrity of the game, which 
they've kept the treehouse ever since. They never changed the name after Donkey Kong. So now it's forever known as the treehouse. So if you're that. ever watching great. E3 and you see the treehouse live, well, that's all thanks to Donkey Kong Country, the first one. And so like the location where they broadcast treehouse from is that that I don't know. Well, <laughs> no, no. They just do it from like, crazy. No, yeah, they just do it yeah. from a stage. I don't, yeah. I think like only, I think, I think they actually did a, like Nintendo occasionally will do videos or are they part of their directs and they actually did like a walk through the treehouse. So they like open the door and then mm. it's just like an office, right? Yeah. But, but and I'm sure they've staged a lot of stuff because yes, the I'm way sure. it normally yeah. looks. And that's the other thing is not all Nintendo employees have access to the treehouse. It's yeah. still to this day kept one of those like special VIP areas. For sure. Um, so going back to rare a little bit, uh, there they've always like we know they've developed some games on the the NES. They have have always been developing for Nintendo, but it wasn't until they pitched uh, a demo to Nintendo um, that sort of uh, I guess allowed Nintendo to see the potential and you know grab them and and make them like one of their second party developers versus being a third party developer. Yeah. So one of the first um, pitches they they did to Nintendo was this uh, using that pre rendered graphics engine we talked about earlier was this boxing game. And that boxing game ended up becoming Killer Instinct. So for anyone familiar with Killer Instinct, there's a boxing character in the game. Um, but Nintendo saw this demo with the boxing character and they're like, this is fantastic. The, I fight, the, buddy. The, no, right, wrong, wrong, wrong boxing wrong character. Um, <laughs> they loved the, the art style. They thought it was revolutionary. And then they bought uh, 49% of Rare and then started working on the game called Treehouse. So that's a... a and neat. Rare had developed, I think, before that for uh, like PCs. They had developed... Rare way back, they developed on the NES too. Like I've got lots of rare games. Yeah, but yeah. The primarily they had developed on like a like a. I think I, I'm I'm remembering edges of this story from the book I read, but it's it's I think after the NES, they started developing for PCs because they wanted something more powerful. Mm. And it, they were kind of like this obscure developer, and they were kind of like off in the UK doing their own thing. And then yeah, Nintendo saw them and like was like. Yeah, you should come work for us. <laughs> yeah, well, and they're very impressed. I don't think they've ever like gone directly to Nintendo with an offer saying, no, look yeah. what we can do for you versus the kind of games that they were making for everybody for every console yeah. before that. They were getting noticed. But uh, let's let's talk a bit about the music. So talking about Mr. David Wise, um, I didn't know this, but before working on Donkey Kong Country, he was working for Rare, but... He wasn't necessarily a full-time employee. It was more like project by project basis that he was getting work, but it wasn't until he delivered the final soundtrack of Donkey Kong Country that Rare said, kid, you're going places. You're going to work for us full-time. And they made him a full-time employee you're after that. You're going places, kid. Um, but Just he took had, him like writing like dozens upon dozens yeah. of successful soundtracks. Yeah. But he had like worked with them since the 80s and it wasn't until 2009 when, uh, you know, uh, Rare was bought by Microsoft that he had enough and left. Um, but, uh, he working on Donkey Kong country, he, um, I guess what they do is Nintendo provides like a, a dev kit and that's usually where all the music samples come from and whatnot. And he said he didn't use a lot of that. He did a lot of custom samples for Donkey Kong country cause he was going for something different. And of course we all know how amazing that soundtrack turned out to be. Um, he did something a little different. So there's, when you're building music tracks, you think of MIDI tracks, right? And it would be like the entire song laid down on a track. Well, he used something different called, uh, it's called subroutines. And it's a type of, pro in programming language, um, it's, a, it's um, the way that 
it, the cart will call upon certain tasks to create the sound. So versus playing an entire song in its entirety, what he did was these subroutines would call sections and instruments only when they were needed. And, and then I guess like put them back on the shelf and pull the next instrument. So mm. the song was almost being created on the fly. Um, and which is usually done because there's like memory limitations. And that was exactly it. He was looking for the way to create the most complex music on the limited space of a super Nintendo cart. Yeah. So one track in particular, he had to reprogram, uh, over a period of five weeks. So oh, the song was done, <laughs> but he spent five weeks reprogramming the way that this subroutine would read the information. Um, that is dedication. Yeah. And most people are familiar with this track. I think it's one of the more standout tracks on the soundtrack. So we're going to listen to that track, the, the track that took over five weeks to reprogram because of the complexity. You can really hear the reprogramming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Aquatic Ambience by Mr. David Wise, 1994, Donkey Kong Country. Let's go.
See, so interesting about this track. So Stephanie, my girlfriend, who I've talked about many times, fiance, sorry, fiance, uh, I've talked about many times on the podcast. She listens to this. You're in no, trouble. she doesn't. So it's fine. Um, <laughs> um, has been ha, loves Donkey Kong Country. Loves yep. all 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 three games. Um, you know, she's got her favorites, but uh, doesn't like this track. Oh really? Yeah, Is and I was like, I think it's awesome, and she's just like, I don't know, it's boring. She doesn't like it. She only likes the she likes the more stuff. upbeat. I like the stuff with the, the track, you know jungle drums essentially. Exactly. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. That's the Donkey Kong sound. Yeah, that's and that's her favorite as well. I love every song from Donkey Konga. <laughs> <laughs> Even the ones that aren't from Donkey Kong. Yeah, none yeah. of them are. Yeah, I, I would say this is none probably well. No, I mean there's like the Donkey Konga okay. theme, and then it's like you know pop hits. Is there anything or from Donkey Kong Country? I don't think so. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I've a very limited experience with Donkey. I think we played it once at your house yeah. and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're like, I, I mean, there's a lot of great songs on the soundtrack, but uh, mm-hmm. I think I had a lot more to say about aquatic ambience. Um, w- when he was, when David Wise was composing the soundtrack, um, he, he had only programmed a couple songs at the time and he thought the entire soundtrack was just going to be reprogrammed, reorchestrated, like totally new music and everything by a Japanese composer. Cause, oh, okay. Cause to, if you put yourself in his shoes, this is one of Nintendo's flagship properties at the time. And they're getting like a UK based developer to develop it. Yeah. And he's not even a full time employee at rare. He's like just doing a couple tracks. Like these are like our test tracks, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, that's the impression he's getting. Yeah. And then after a period of time, they're coming back. They're like, okay, can you do a couple more songs? <laughs> like and couple then a more, couple, couple more. more. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, like I'm just doing the entire soundtrack. And he yeah. realized, oh, they really like this. They're and not, they want it. Yeah. They're not going to change my music. And, uh, yeah, I, I, that was a surprise to him. He said he didn't realize the scope of the impact that that soundtrack had on gamers, people like us until like maybe decades later or de- mm. a decade or two later. Um, he said one of the biggest clue ends was when, uh, a company or a group, an online organization by OC, the name OC remix, which I'm sure listeners of this podcast know <laughs> we've talked about many, um, many times. He came across OC Remix and uh, he saw all the remixes for Donkey Kong Country. Oh, really? <laughs> and that's when he clued in. It wasn't until then. He says it's OC Remix that showed what the fans really thought of his music to him. Well, good yeah, on you, OC funny. Remix. Like, he has no other way to get feedback no. at no. all from, well, from people. Well, I guess like this was you know, like pre- before the internet, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it was a little tougher and especially in like a semi-contractual relationship with a company. Like I'm sure you do your the bosses job and, and you stuff kind of are like on, right? great work. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, well I got to go get the next job. You're yeah. not dwelling on any one individual project. Yeah, he's right? going totally. for his next paycheck. We're the ones that have been listening to his music like and every day for like 20, it. 30 yeah. years. <laughs> he's like already forgotten how to compose that song and yeah, we're like he, still playing it. He didn't yeah. know he was popular till he listened to our podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. David Wise, we love you. <laughs> um, Please come I, on the podcast. Talk about him like every podcast. <laughs> and I've mentioned in a previous podcast that uh, when there were there was a, another Donkey Kong remix album, it was actually the the follow up to the one I just mentioned. He actually contributed a remix of one of his own songs to yes, that with yes. the OC remix team. So uh, when when Microsoft was bought by Rare or the <laughs> the other way around, <laughs> that'd be awesome. That would be that would <laughs> be interesting. Relationship would worked out better. Maybe yeah, probably have, when Rare was bought by Microsoft, he and said his biggest terrible, perfect dark. His biggest disappointment was uh, realizing that he would never compose another Donkey Kong Country game again <gasps> but then he left in 2009 <laughs> and then he eventually did he came back for donkey kong country tropical freeze yeah, in 2014 right. which you've also featured i believe on the podcast. i have yeah uh, the amazing soundtrack again because of him but uh, yeah. that's even, a good game too 
And I feel like even uh, Donkey Kong Country returns heavily inspired by some of his songs. I think they tried to do aquatic ambience in that game as well. Yeah. It's hard to remember. But. Aquatic ambi- ambience is uh, interesting too, because it doesn't sound like a platformer song at all. To me, it sounds more like a no, JRPG it's very chill, kind yeah. of, uh, yeah. you know, well, this is like your dungeon crawling and that was, rather than your platformer. The intent was to really slow the pace of the game down. And that was because, um, but you've got that awesome swordfish that can do the like, pew, pew. <laughs> so in a, if you, if you watch, uh, I've talked about this VHS tape before. There was the Donkey Kong Country Exposed. Um, it has a really good interview with um, a Mr. Ken Lobb, Mr. Club, uh, where he talks <laughs> about specifically aquatic ambience. And he said that uh, it's the it's the player's reward for completing a really difficult level. So the very first level is actually, I believe it's actually called aquatic ambience. I hope I'm not getting that wrong because there's other water levels, but they're not all called aquatic ambience, even though the track is called that. So it's supposed to be like a nice calming you know, change of pace. Like you just beat a really hard level. So play this mellow out and then we'll get back into the rhythm after that. It's the, uh, it's the, we, why not take a break and wear like the Wiimote sitting next to an open window. Yeah. (laughs) It was the early version of that. Uh, Aaron, do you have a favorite track from Donkey Kong? From Donkey Kong country? Yeah. I, again, I'm not a super Nintendo kid. I I never played, I never played the game until it came out on the Game Boy Advance. Oh, okay. That was the first place we played it. And the port wasn't great. Yeah, no, it wasn't a great port for that. It Though, was a great port of like the Mario games, but not so much of Donkey Kong. But speaking of Donkey Kong and drums, back to Donkey Kong, I just, here's a little tangent for you. I actually have permanent nerve damage in my finger from playing Donkey Konga. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Just hitting it too hard? Well, it's actually because hitting it and also wearing my uh, wedding ring at the same time. Oh, it's on your ring finger. Yep. Yeah, that'll do it. Actually, yeah. most conga players take off their rings because they bend them. I actually had to, t- I, halfway through the actually, n- summer yeah. Nintendo tour where we were featuring that game, I had to remo- re- remove my ring because yeah. I couldn't wear it anymore. And actually, to this day, I still have uh, problems. Yeah, I actually... You say most Donkey Konga players like there's no, more Konga <laughs> players. Uh, Don't play like Donkey the Kongos. Kongos players. I actually I'm like played Kongas. I'm like there's more than one person that plays that. Game. <laughs> I played Kongas in high school and uh, I actually used to wear a ring and I had to the first time I like didn't realize how much damage I was doing and I couldn't get it off my finger. I like oh. ovaled it so much and so then I had to bend it back and it actually cracked and that made me very sad. I love that mm. ring. But um uh my favorite track is the bonus, uh, the bonus, bonus round. is good. Yeah. Da, 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 so, da, da, da. I love that. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call I it the aquatic version. ambience. You only know the witch, the mic version. Oh, the my version, version you just saying that's, that's how I know it. <laughs> There's a lot of good ones on that one. Yeah. I, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah, for sure. All right, Aaron, what do you got for us this week? What do I got? All right. I've got, uh, super Mario world Two: Yoshi's Island. There you go. That's right. Super Mario World 2, the sequel to the popular Super Mario World starring Mario, and they decided to throw that guy away. Well, not fully throw him away. Make made, him a baby. They made him a baby. They should have thrown him away in this game. <laughs> well, that's funny you thing. want like, to throw him away by the end of the game? I'm looking, I'm like reading about this. First of all, as people know, uh, Yoshi's Island 2 is a platformer, <laughs> and it is widely considered one of the best platformers ever made. Like, people Disagree. love it. Agree. not just because of the parts i don't like but But anyway uh, it's widely considered to be one of the best platforms it's on the classic so Uh, that's yeah nintendo must at least think so (laughs) nintendo agrees and the only criticism i could find of it that people were leveling at it consistently was baby mario crying that was like the thing that people hated it's a horrible sound it is it's terrible i hate it to this day i can hear it right now and i hate it yeah exactly (laughs) like you mentioned baby mario crying and like you hear it in your head yeah at that moment. So, uh, Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. It came out in 1995. 
developed also by Nintendo EAD. I'm sure there's a lot of EAD uh, games on the Super Nintendo Classic. Can't yes. avoid that. And it was composed by your friend and mine, Koji Kondo. So the lazy unoriginal, the lazy unoriginal <laughs> Koji Kondo is is back for more. Man, for I was a lazy gonna, unoriginal guy, he's composed a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say too, we should change, we should make it the lazy unoriginal Koji Kondo and the stern and unhappy uh, Miyamoto. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just from all the interviews. I've yeah. Heard. Well, let's talk. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Miyamoto and his relationship here too. So anyway, um, Yoshi's Island introduced the hand drawn aesthetic to the, to the world. And that would, of course, later inspire um, later games like Epic Yarn, Kirby's Epic Yarn, and uh, Yoshi's Woolly World, of course. Yeah. All of the Yoshi games in this series have like some sort of a hand-drawn or a fabric or some sort of like... Texture. Texture. That's a effect. great idea. Yeah. Like the, the style of that game has held up so nicely over the years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, this game actually has spawned four sequels. So there was uh, this, Yoshi's Island. There was Yoshi's Story on the N64. Great game. Yoshi's Island DS. That's a great game from all accounts. Yeah. I never played it, so I don't and know. She's <laughs> New Island on the 3DS. How's that? Apparently not very good. No, apparently well, also not very good. The thing is, that was kind of a return, I, I guess, to like the... They were trying to basically... It was done by a third-party developer. Oh. I can't remember their name. But they... Um, it, was, it was a team that did a lot of, I think, some of the character creation stuff for like Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, okay. And they got, so they got this third party <laughs> That could be good or bad. To do <laughs> the new Yoshi's Island on the 3DS. And apparently they were so busy trying to recapture the feel and the magic of the original that it people felt like what's new about this it's the same game oh, it's, too, it's, it's like too this, much. yeah it's like basically the same game with less thought out well thought out levels mm, essentially that's too bad yeah it was too bad and of course the last sequel in the series is yoshi's woolly world on the wii u and on the 3ds can we talk about how good the n64 one was just for just a moment <laughs> did you play that game i yoshi's played it story? at my yeah. dentist's office once I freaking love that <laughs> yeah. game i used to play that was another game that was a great multiplayer game because you could actually play it multiplayer mm. and uh i remember this was bef way before i had an n64 and it was just one of those like i don't know if you guys ever had this but like when i was a kid once in a while, you would kind of almost start to become friends with like some new kid at school or not necessarily. Nobody new kid, wants to be friends. With <laughs> no, no. But so, like another friend that's like outside your core group. Okay. And like you go over to his house like the one time or twice and then nothing ever comes of it. And there was one time I went over to this kid's house and he had Yoshi story and we just played the whole game. Yeah. It was awesome. It was great. <laughs> and yet he was, it was not like, I'm done with you. I've got all that, the, yeah, that was the you that exist. That was the end of it. So, it was like yeah. one of. Like I can only think of two games on the N64 that were not 3D and that's one of them. So. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the very few yeah. and it looked awesome because of it. It was yeah. a great looking game. Anyway, continue. All right, so back <laughs> to uh, Yoshi's Island. The style of the game, that hand-drawn style, was also a direct result of Shig Shigeru Miyamoto's distaste for the pre-rendered computer graphics of Rare's Donkey Kong Country. Oh. Apparently he did not that, like no, that, that style. Is that true? Is that, do you have... Because well, no, here's here's the thing is there is a quote. I, I don't want to finish your thought. No, 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 yeah. of course. Okay. And, and there, that, that kind of goes on. But he he didn't he he did say this. He said uh, the marketing department, when he first was pitching this game, he brought this idea to superiors at Nintendo with the regular Mario sprite graphics originally. So it, originally it looked very much like Super Mario World specifically, but they turned him down because it didn't have futuristic pre-rendered graphics because Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong Country just came was out. there. And the marketing department was like, we can't sell this in light of Donkey Kong Country because look at how futuristic and yeah, this, and this yeah. is the way of the future. I hated that. <laughs> and he did hate that. Yeah. Like Rather than bend to their demands, yeah. he actually went back to the drawing board and doubled down on even simpler hand-drawn graphics. 
he's like, screw that. I'm going to make art out of this. So yeah. he doubled down and he did this like hand drawn kind of style. Cause yeah, the thing isn't that he hated the graphics in Donkey Kong. He hated that they asked Being told him yes. to turn yes. his yes. game into that. Exactly. No, could, well, that's the other thing too is, uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to continue on with like this, sure, uh, this, last, this last little bit. Cause he said, uh, the marketing department wanted, and this is quote, better hardware and beautiful graphics instead of art. And you know, that's something I'm constantly fighting against in my own life as yeah. well as like, you know, it's, I, I feel that art design is so important rather than just, you know, like what's the fanciest rendering method that's out there, right? Yeah. What's shine, shiny. And uh, there's a quote that's attributed to Miyamoto that says, uh, Donkey Kong country proves that players will put up with mediocre gameplay as long as the art is good. Now, that one is kind of translated and taken a little out of context. He did say something to that effect, but he later clarified that he didn't hate the game, mostly yeah. because he was so involved in working on it. So Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah the way I, I heard it kind of the same way, it was just, it wasn't that he hated the graphics in Donkey Kong. It was he hated that they were trying to make him turn his game into that. Yes, mm, yeah, but yeah. the the style was a direct result of, of that, right? So yeah. without Donkey Kong Country and its pre-rendered, well, and and the again, the people telling him to make the change weren't weren't the creative <laughs> development types either. And marketers. I also yeah, think dude. that's hilarious. Like Miyamoto, who is essentially you know he's a legend. He's in the video game development world yeah. at the time. I guess that wasn't, was early wasn't in his legendary. Career, though, yeah, right? it wasn't yeah. legendary legendary enough yet. I guess that he goes to the marketing department. He's like, no, whatever your idea sucks. You got to make it more like yeah. these this third party essentially yeah. style. And so. you can see in the intro to uh, Yoshi Yoshi's Island, that first one, that it looks like they they started doing pre-render graphics. I don't know if you remember, you know, where they have like the the storybook opening. <laughs> yes, it, yeah. It uh, yeah, it looks like they started with the pre-rendered graphics. But of everything yeah. I've seen of Miyamoto, he does not seem like a person who bends readily to <laughs> others' will. No, you know what I mean. He's just like, no, this is. This is the way we're doing it. Most creatives are like <laughs> that right. too, yeah. who are like, you know, especially if you're being told by somebody who's outside of the creative community to do something a certain way. It's yeah, like pull harder in the opposite exactly. direction. Exactly. Yeah, you just double down. Absolutely. Plant your feet. Yeah. So uh, let's listen to my track from Yoshi's Island. This is, uh, the track is called Flower Garden.
touch fuzzy, get dizzy. <laughs> but actually, like I have, I have a note in my notes that just says touch fuzzy, get dizzy. That's the greatest like, level that, name ever. I know, and that's like all. I only have that written down because we we featured this game a little bit on uh, when we were doing the super, uh, what is it, the Super Game Boy for the GameCube. So the GameCube attachment okay, yeah, yeah, that yeah. did the Game Boy Advance yep. games, and we actually played this game, featured it on the Nintendo Tour. So oh, I thought you meant we featured it in the podcast. I was no, like, no, wait, no. what? I don't remember that month. <laughs> on, on the Nintendo Tour, we demoed Yoshi's Island on the GameCube using that adapter. Right, so okay. That cool. was my first exposure to the game, actually. And uh, and that was one thing that stood out for the game for me was just that name, Touch Fuzzy Get Dizzy. So it kind of became a slogan a little bit at the time. And speaking of Touch Fuzzy Get Dizzy, um, there's also a drunk version of this theme. And yeah. there's drunk versions of several of the themes in the game where you touch fuzzy, get dizzy, and it does this like mode seven like scaling warping yeah. and then it does this like ridiculous really long sliding notes so it takes this theme and then it'll go like on every held note it'll be and it'll like slide up and down and it's really bizarre yeah i've always thought it was more of a drug trip than a drunk but i guess it works with either because it's like like what are the fuzzies you know yeah, yeah. i always thought it was fuzzy like, an, like cocaine it's kind of like an lsd trip <laughs> or yeah, yeah yeah more or, lsd yeah, yeah. You know. well i just i just called it a drunk version but you know it's basically the getting high version you know? yeah because his pupils also like dilate yeah dilate and i don't know if they <laughs> dilate or they like constrict or what what have you yeah. but anyway he looks messed I up they go in and out like yeah <laughs> that classic <laughs> yeah. cartoon of like the rings yeah so anyway, as I mentioned, I originally, like, again, I never played this on the Super Nintendo. I originally played this game in 2002 on the Game Boy Advance when it was released as the confusingly titled Yoshi's Island Super Mario Advance 3. Which, yeah, those yeah. advanced oh, titles, <laughs> the naming convention was so bad. Ridiculous. I, and I yeah. have them all written down here. Yeah, says, read them off. Because the series, <laughs> so the Super Mario Advance series was um, Super Mario Advance the first Super Mario Advance, was actually Mario 2, the All-Stars version. Yeah. And yeah. then Super Mario Advance 2 was Super Mario World. Yes. And then Super Mario Advance 4 was Mario 3, the All-Stars version. Yeah. 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 So, so it's like... So they have, have essentially these, they have like 1, 2, 3, and 4, yeah. but shuffled the advance. They totally shuffled. And it's so bizarre because it's like 1 is 2, 2 is Yoshi's Island, 3 is... Uh, they should have just called it ad, like Advance. Yeah. Like they should have just added Advance, just like Nintendo does for everything, put Advance in front or at the end of every yeah. title. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think that was hilarious because we were talking earlier in the podcast about Nintendo's like, stick a few more words on there. We'll yeah. make a ridiculous <laughs> title. The Super totally. Mario Advance series is absolutely part of that. So. so the one thing I have to say about this game is... Uh, this is actually, I think, one of the first games I beat on, like, not in a single sitting, but in the shortest amount that of That was sittings. what I was going to say. That oh, was really? going to be my only com other complaint, because you said people only complain about Baby Mario. This was the first game I ever sat down, and I was babysitting my cousin for the weekend, and I'm like, this is going <laughs> to be... Quote, babysitting. <laughs> yes, yes. I was he, babysitting someone. He's, he's like, these cries are just blending into Mario's yeah, cries. Exactly. Like, ah. <laughs> he had this game, and I'm like, great, this will be my game for the weekend. I beat it on the first night, and I'm like, now I got nothing else for the rest yeah. of the weekend. <laughs> so so you're disappointed for that reason. Yeah, and then I had to yeah. watch him after that. <laughs> you should just beat it again. I beat this game uh, actually in the car on my Game Boy Advance on uh, the way to a fishing trip with my dad. Yeah. We used to do these yearly fishing trips, and this was... Um, I My sister actually got the Advance 
first for Christmas with a bunch of games. And then I got mine later and I said like, can I borrow this game for the trip? And she was like, sure. And I took it for the trip. Similar to you thinking like, well, I have a lot of game here yeah. and I beat it on the way there. And so, then I didn't have anything for the yeah. way back. <laughs> the question that I think this holds true for a lot of the Yoshi's Island series as well is like how much you get out of it is also how much you're willing, how much of a completionist you yes, are. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like, if you want a hundred percent everything, it takes like, a while. If you want to get all the collectibles yeah. and all the coins and all the flowers and all of that, all of that BS, which I, which, which I'm, is just I'm hidden, guy, right? which is a hundred percent hidden. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no, there's no like indication it's there. Yeah. You just have to throw eggs everywhere. And I'm, I'm that guy. So yeah. this did take me a while because I went for like hundred percent. Yeah. I'm what I'm going to say is they call this super Mario world two. <laughs> if you compare it to super Mario yeah. one, you I, expect, a I have lot a problem with that title as well yeah. too. I, like, I think they should have left was, that off. Yeah. It was simply marketing. I think if they yeah. just called it Yoshi's world, people would have been like, eh, maybe I'll play it. But yeah, super Mario world two, that thing probably sold. They the wanted the kicks. marketing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, I actually, I think it was during the development of Super Mario World that Miyamoto came up with the concept for two and basically wanting to make a platformer where Mario wasn't the star, so. Yeah, and he's had the idea for Yoshi back on the Nintendo. Like, he wanted Yoshi to be a bigger character f for a while, so yeah. this and, was finally that time. And he was always disappointed with the way Yoshi was sort of depicted in the other games, and this was the game that actually introduced Yoshi as we see him now, like the, his ability to swallow enemies, flutter his flutter jump. jump, like all of that stuff. Well, he had to swallow enemies in World, of course, but. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. But, but like this is like. Spitting out the eggs. Spitting out the eggs. Yeah. Yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff like a lot of like how the eggs Yoshi, became a weapon yeah this instead is, of just a one-up but that's the thing is yoshi was just a power-up in world this made yeah. yoshi a character yep so oh and then like the the trail of eggs behind him like the ammo behind <laughs> him, like, <laughs> i love that and yeah. i'm also i've been playing a lot of uh like speaking of babysitting no. speaking of babysitting <laughs> is that every time i've there's this one there's this one random kid who every time i babysit her <laughs> she one. comes over and she'll either play breath of the wild this one random kid yes, that shows, random up kid shows up in my house and or woolly world and the yeah. only time i'll play yoshi's woolly world is with her yeah. so it's a great game I, for i've only like been that. playing it yeah i've only been playing it co-op with a young child and it's it's fun like yeah, it's, it's, awesome. it's it's a great game i think that i think woolly world again i have no really nostalgia or attachment to the old stuff but I, it's a fantastic game it's a lot of fun there's yeah. a ton of stuff especially and i think again like that one if you want to just burn through the levels you could burn through the levels but if you want to like get all the yarn all, all the hidden yarn and That'll unlock all of the like yoshi color combinations that'll take a while and that's where the enjoyment of the game for me is i feel like um i have a theory about uh, woolly world in how good it is and i feel like woolly world was one of the uh later nintendo first party releases for the wii u and i think it was it came out at a time where nintendo knew that the wii u was dying mm -hmm. and we're like we're not really going to put too many more chips in this basket, but I think they wanted the last few games that came out to be really quality. Mm. And I think that's why Woolly World came out as good as it is. Yeah. And I think they put extra time and effort and polish on it because they were like, this is kind of for the fans to like get us a little more goodwill before they, we kind of yeah. screw them a little bit and release the switch. <laughs> well, it's funny too, because speaking of that, Yoshi's Island itself released in 1995 was a very, very late stage super Nintendo game as well. Like, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was only like a year later that the, uh, N64 came out. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say one more thing. Oh, uh, on another tangent, did you guys, ever, did you guys see the drawings that came out? I think they've been out there for a while, but I think they were just reposted on uh, on Twitter or something. But it was uh, Yoshi's original design, his original original design when he when he first when they did like the first sketches of him. 
He was an Can Italian I... plumber who <laughs> swallowed people. I no. was going to say he had like a big bruise on the back of his head from Mario punching him so many times. <laughs> no, not that dark. Um, so you know how like the baby Yoshis look? How they're like, uh, like yeah, how they like look. They're more dinosaur. Yeah, they're a little more squat and their face yeah. is really different. They don't have that big bulbous nose. They yeah. kind of have like a thin face. It's like a big version of that. Huh, they weird. look, he looked horrible. Like, he was so like terrifying and weird. It was not like, like the cutesy. From, uh, it's not like the yeah. cutesy version that he became. So wasn't Yoshi supposed to be originally uh, based off of like a Koopa Troopa? Because he kind of has yes, the same yeah. saddle as his shell. At yeah, one point. exactly. Yeah, he was more Koopa like, and his face was more Koopa like. So yeah. if you guys want some uh, a little bit of like Mario Nightmare fuel, go look up the original <laughs> drawing of Yoshi. It's a it's a little it's a little creepy. Uh, all right, so that's it for our picks this week. Uh, Aaron, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? I've actually, you know, there was a big gap there where I didn't get a lot of chance to play much of anything. And lately I've been like, I want to play something. I've got all these games in the backlog, so I figured I wanted to pick up something and play. And I figured it was finally time I was ready to play Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Oh, nice. So that's what I'm the playing expansion. right now. The expansion, which of course originally was intended to be this like tiny expansion. And you, we <laughs> call it an expansion, game. but it is truly a full game. It is, and it, you know, it's it's a full Uncharted game. It truly is. Yeah. And how have you been enjoying it? I like it a lot, but again, I'm predisposed to like Uncharted and I like the characters. It's interesting, of course, because Nathan Drake is out. His story arc is done. Is he, this is, is, does he like even show up like in name in the game? It, he does show up in name. And I was kind of wondering, I wondered like, I, I can't remember the name of that uh, test, but there's like this specific test where it's like, if you have a movie with female characters, do they like discuss a, a male character like, do they ever have a conversation where, like, a male character isn't brought up? And I'm, like, yeah. wondering, can this game pass the test? Because it has two female the, protagonists. It's called the Bechdel, or the, sorry, Bechdel test. The Bechdel test. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, yeah, it's basically, like, it's, it's basically a test for, like, because most movies, they don't have a female character who has a female friend where they don't talk about the male yeah. character in any conversation, yeah. so. And I was kind of wondering about that, because this stars Chloe, who's uh, from, a mainstay from the series, yeah. and also Nadine, who is from Uncharted 4. Yeah. And so they are partners and they go off on an adventure together. And I was wondering, like, are they even going to bring Nathan Drake up once? And they do. They actually okay. do have a conversation about how much Nadine hates him. And Chloe kind of sticks <laughs> so, up. So for that, him. that might pass it then. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, it's about how much they hate him. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, it's more Uncharted. It is a beautiful game. Like, yeah. They like looked for, amazing. Oh, man. Like it, like the, the Uncharted games, as far as I'm concerned, are the pinnacle of. Oh, like, yeah. They're the high watermark graphics. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and the environment design, the architecture and environment design at uh, Naughty Dog is unparalleled. Like, you can't beat it. Like, you're in the jungle in these overgrown things, and it just, it feels so natural. It feels so real. Even just the ruin and the decay and the roots wrapping around things. And then you'll go to, like, you know, a, a city in another country, and it just, the people, like, the crowds, the, the booths of people selling street meat and stuff uh, like that, it all feels really good. I like the graphics in, in Yoshi's Island better. <laughs> <laughs> I like the crayon aesthetic. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, and that's the thing, like I said, I'm Why a big fan of art. Why did they make it more, look more like Woolly World? <laughs> I'm a fan of art direction and, and good art direction, and I feel like, despite this being, like, super high technical stuff, the art direction is really what makes yeah. it shine, because you can have a beautiful rendering edge and, and like, fantastic you know, the fantastic technology, but these people are putting it together in the right way. So. And also they spend so much time on the like, uh, tracking and animation and actual performances mm -hmm. that, and I think that's what yeah. really, really makes them shine yeah. more than and anyone And of course else. the writing is well done. It's these are stellar yeah. characters. And I think, you know, the Uncharted series for me is kind of funny because like one was rough, two, they perfected it. Three, they kind of dropped off by trying to add too many features that mm -hmm. killed it a little bit. Four, they kind of went back to form. And I think four had the best version of the controls 
in there. And even like the Nathan Drake collection on the PS4, they kind of redid the controls in like two yeah, and three to, and stuff to like tune that them a bit, to right? tune them a bit to be more like four. And I feel that's actually the best way to play those games is the Nathan Drake collection on the PS4. For sure. And on top of that, like, of course, this is the same exact engine as Uncharted 4 yeah. and it plays really well. The combat is very similar to it. And I really like how how they've opened up combat. There's a lot of like impro improvisation from like going into stealth, out of stealth, swinging from a grappling hook, like jumping through the air, landing on somebody. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very fluid and it feels like you're in control and it's not pre-scripted. Like anything could happen and you are kind of... You're know, Indiana Jones. You're Indiana Jones. Again, <laughs> Which is Indiana all Jones Aaron has ever wanted to be. And it's yeah. not like, like Chloe plays exactly the same as Nathan Drake. She's basically superhuman. She's like yeah, you doing like climb. Lif lifting things and climbing on things that I'm like, yeah. no human being could do this. That's why I like Kratos because he's a god. So it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but despite all that, like the game is very real and, and it feels Gritty. really good. Gritty. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is a bit off topic and a little outside of the purview of what we would usually cover. But did you guys uh, watch the um, Paris conference, Sony's parents, Paris conference. I was, or in, any of the trailers that came out. I of was it? in a place where I couldn't for some reason. Like okay, I, I, I saw trailers were coming up and I couldn't, it was in I the couldn't watch it. It was, it was, it was the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, no, I watched, I think after the fact I went and I watched like the horizon, uh, zero dawn DLC yeah. trailer yeah. and beyond that, like nothing. So okay. winter, winter wonderland. DLC Cause I patch. want that so badly. <laughs> you know, horizon zero dawn is my next game after uncharted lost legacy. Yeah. I'm ready for it now. And especially I think I mentioned on the podcast before I love winter and snow themed games. Yeah. So well, that expansion pack is hitting at the right time. So I'm, before uh, I'm waiting till December because anyone listening that's wanting to get that that doesn't have the game, they're supposed to be doing like a complete edition of the yeah. game that will have all that game DLC. of the year edition. And we can yeah. play it at the same time exactly, so that we, yeah. we can discuss it too. So, so yeah, uh, before we go too off topic, <laughs> uh, what I wanted to bring up was Naughty Dog and their other premier uh, game is The Last of Us, and The Last of Us Two is coming for the PS4, and the trailer. Oh my God! I. I'm. I don't want. I'm not going to spoiler or okay. anything like that. But um, just tell me, should I watch it? Because as somebody, I, I've watched the other um, trailer for Last of Us Two. Yeah. So, so that one was very not story specific whatsoever. Like that one was very ambiguous. Um, this one, I guess, it gives you like. I guess if you don't want any characters that are new spoiled for you. I wouldn't watch it because hmm. all of the characters, as far as I can tell, are new. So um, it like I heard some people complaining that like maybe they showed a little too much, like because this is one of those games. I think the gamers feel like I know that I'm going to play this game. I know this game is going to be awesome. Don't tell me anything. Just give it to me <laughs> yeah. and let me play it. So but the trailer but, worked on somebody like me that's never played yes, the first one. And the trailer is so brutal. It is the most brutal game trailer I've ever ever seen. I may have to watch it then because I think I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I played the last of us, the original on the PS3 and I didn't really like it. I yeah. didn't feel it was like it had its moments. It looked beautiful, but I just didn't feel it. Uh, it didn't resonate with me I'm as much as to it hear did that with other people. And then I got the last of us remastered edition on the PS4. I played the game again, but this time without, with the radar off, I turned it in, I put it <laughs> into hard mode, I put yeah. it into hard mode and I turned the radar off and I enjoyed the game a million times better. Yeah, the thing is I had much it, more I had it in super hard mode. I got to a certain point in the game. I could not pass that point. Like yeah. it was impossible yep. for me to pass it. And what I had to do I, is I like, probably know the point you're talking I about. I had to <laughs> tweak all of the settings, but I, I had to basically like 
make the combat easier yet I had I wanted to keep the radar and like the detection yeah. off like there's that listening mode where you can listen and then see the enemies I, I didn't want any of that and that game is so much better when you're like literally sneaking around yeah. not knowing where any of the enemies are or what's around the next corner and so if you scary. need to run from point A to point B you don't know if anyone's yeah. going to see you and I, I think the game so terrifying. <laughs> the game benefits so much from that so yeah. I enjoyed Last of Us 2 a million times more on my second playthrough when I played the remastered version. Mm. Did you see, uh, speaking of brutal trailers, there was um, Detroit Become Human. Yes, that was another great that one. That was another brutal one. Yes, that I did, super brutal. I had no idea because anyone that saw the original trailer at E3, yeah. this was totally different. This really? one, this, I saw the original trailer and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Watch this this one, trailer. Yeah. This trailer was so different. It, I didn't even know. the ante. I didn't oh, know so what game speak. it was until the trailer ended and I was like, that's the same game as that <laughs> other trailer. Well, so, and there, there was a trailer at E3 and then there was a there was a really early trailer, like a launch trailer that I don't even think came out at E3. I think the developer just released it yeah. and it was more in line with this last trailer. Okay. But anyway, I don't want to go too off topic. <laughs> we, we could talk about this, this could be a, a whole separate, separate podcast. podcast yeah. Exactly. So, um, but yeah. So anyway, Last of Us, or no, sorry. What did you play? I was playing uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy. Uncharted no. Lost Legacy. A little too expensive, but um, <laughs> we're doing what we've done in the past, which is what I've talked about, which is um, I bought another uh, Humble Bundle and there's lots of duplicates in there. And one of the duplicates is a fantastic platformer, which we've been talking about today and it's called Guacamelee. And this is the um, Super Turbo. Yeah, like this like is the Super Mele. Turbo Championship yeah, yeah. edition of the game. Guacamelee so, actually is also a great co-op game. Just so people Another great play. co-op yeah. game, yeah, too. So this is Super uh, Turbo Championship edition and I'm giving it away on Steam because that's where I have the code. So, <laughs> so <laughs> if fine. you have Steam, this is great for you. So yeah, it's a great game. It's really cool by a, a company called Drinkbox Studio. Uh, that makes stuff started out making stuff mostly for Sony and actually Guacamelee 2 got announced at Paris Games Week cool. um, for Sony, but it'll eventually come to everything else. Mm. So, so yeah, super turbo champion championship edition of okay, Guacamelee. Making fun of Nintendo. Exactly. On and Capcom, Steam, I guess. Capcom, Capcom, yeah. yeah, mostly Capcom. Uh, so that's your giveaway. And to win that giveaway, what do you have to do? Jordan, tell me what do you, what do you have to do to win the giveaway? Uh, you could like us on SoundCloud or iTunes, leave a review. You could retweet us on <laughs> Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the one reading the script. Yeah, I know. I'm just messing with you. Could I, just share, I, wanted, I wanted to just throw that at you. Share with your grandma on Facebook. Yeah, yeah that works too. So yeah, uh, as I like to say, interact with us in any way, shape or form on these social media you see platforms. see us in the street. Give us a handshake. Uh, high five, man. High five is an entry <laughs> into the contest. Um, Interact with us in any way, shape, or form on the social media platform of your choice, or listen to us and leave us a review on uh, the platform of your choice. We especially like iTunes reviews. Um, We're on Stitcher now. And Stitcher, uh, there is reviews on on Stitcher as well. So if you could leave us a review there, that would also help out. Uh, those are great ways and get you an entry into the contest. And of course, those reviews are worth 10,000 entries per review. So <laughs> <laughs> keep that in mind if you really want guacamole. Uh, yeah, so that is it for the first episode of uh, SNES or NES or Super NES or Super <laughs> Nintendo Classic Month. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed it and we will catch you guys next time.